morning, 32 and 33. The Lord is sending his men out, and he just got through telling them, don't be afraid because I'm going to go with you. And don't be afraid because I will never leave you and never forsake you. He didn't use those words in that particular text, but it's what's, what's he uh, is a part of his message. He said, I, even as God, recognize when a sparrow hits the ground, how much more do I care about you? And the answer to that was infinitely more. And so he's about to send them out, and they're supposed to give a witness and a testimony. And the idea of this is, are they going to be men that confess their relationship with Jesus Christ? Are they going to be men that confess who Jesus is? And that's going to be the question for us this morning. Uh, not that we're like some lifeguards that pretend not to be lifeguards, that are more worried about fitting in with the crowd than they are doing their job, but people like us who love God, and we want to do our job, and we want to confess the Lord Jesus. So you know what is coming, and we begin this way, you know what is coming when someone says to you in a conversation, I thought she, speaking of somebody else, I thought she was my friend. And what you're about to hear is hear her tell you an account about how that person uh, put her down or let her down in some way, how she did that. And it will have something to do with some element of betrayal, probably, Some uh, trust was broken in some way. That's why there's uh, now anger between them. Or a confidence was divulged, and that made them upset. It may be uh, a desertion of some kind of a friend on that friend's part, uh, whatever the reason might be for it. Like maybe they found somebody that they like more, and they don't want to spend time with you anymore. They'd rather be with them. And so they ditch you. That hurts inside when somebody rejects you. And when we're rejected by somebody, our uh, main response is to turn around and go reject somebody else. And that isn't good either. But it hurts inside when somebody rejects us or when they disown us or they turn on us in some way or they become our enemy. We know that it's supposed to be that true friends do not do things like that. Instead, a true friend has an allegiance to God. And they are uh, going to have that allegiance, and it will supersede any thoughts that may come up about treachery against that friend, no matter what the situation is or no matter how they may have hurt them. They'll forgive, and they'll still be friends. And they're with you through the thick and the thin. At least we believe that's the way it's supposed to be. And uh, sometimes it's not that way, and sometimes we feel rejected. There are people that we think are going to be loyal to us and loyal in, in no matter what comes up, and then we find out something comes up, and sure enough, they're not loyal to us. Even if that friend is going to hurt your feelings, you try to hang in there with him or her, and you keep on being their friend. Words that are important to us are words like, and I'm assuming it's true for you and me, uh, words like loyalty are important to us. Words like companionship. How about faithfulness? How about dedication? And also the word commitment means everything to us. Today, marriages don't survive without these, including the one that the church of Jesus Christ has with the the bridegroom, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Unless we're faithful to Jesus Christ, our relationship is not going to go well. Just like in a marriage, our marriage is not going to go well if we're not faithful to each other, committed and dedicated to that. We, if we deny Jesus, we, if we reject Jesus Christ, can bring sorrow to the heart of Jesus. And eventually, we will bring pain to our own lives in one way or another if we deny him. So we're on the heels in the context of Jesus sending his men out. 
And he says, whatever I've told you in the darkness, I want you to speak in the light. Whatever you hear whispered, shout it from the rooftops. Don't be afraid. Uh, Don't fear those who can kill the body. See, out in the ministry, it can get that rough. And with many Christians in the world today, it is that rough. And many Christians have their lives on the line. Someday it might be ours. Then he gets down to verse 32 and 33, where we're at this morning. And Jesus says this, therefore. Now, in a text, whenever we see the word therefore, we ask ourselves the, the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Why is it there? And it's there because it's a conclusion to what he just said before. I want you to get out there. Don't worry about what men can do to you. Don't be afraid. And I want you to not fear them. Fear me more than you fear them. Remember you're valuable to God. Therefore, because of that truth, everyone who confesses, and let me read this uh, the way it would be in, in the Greek New Testament. Therefore, everyone who confesses in me before men, I will also confess in him before my Father who is in heaven. Probably your Bibles didn't translate the word in there. Uh, Mine didn't either, but it should be there. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. I think Jesus Christ knows this well enough to know that he understands that if I send you out as sheep among the wolves, I send you out to witness to people that are not going to be really happy about the witness that you have to give. And let's face it, today people do not want to hear that there's a hell. People do not want to hear that uh, there's only one way to salvation. People don't want to hear that that one way is Jesus Christ. And if you don't, you end up in hell. And that message is something that is not palatable to the world anymore, and they don't want to hear it. And it wasn't, it wasn't like it was palatable in Jesus' day, especially since the apostles are going to go out to the Jews, who, by the way, most of them don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. Most of them don't believe that he's the Savior of the world. And they're going to be telling him he's who you need to believe in. Some will hate it so much they'll put Jesus to death. And Jesus knows they're going to run into some opposition. Even though they have this great power in this ministry to do great miraculous things, They're going to run into opposition. So Jesus wants them to know, don't get out there, don't be a Christian, and then decide you're not going to confess me. Don't get out there and then decide you're not going to have an allegiance to me. And if we think about it, there's a lot of ways every day that we can deny Jesus. Now, normally when I'm writing a sermon, I'm the only one I have to talk to, right? (laughs) Me and Jesus. And I had to come up with some illustrations about what's it like to uh, deny God today? What's it like to disavow your allegiance to him? What's it like to reject Jesus? I think it happens way more than just when somebody puts a gun to your head and says, uh, renounce Jesus or die. And normally that's what we think of, but there's a lot of things that can happen before that. So I thought of things in my own life, and I thought about what are some ways that I uh, maybe have denied Jesus, and I have a list of them, 16 of them, Uh, It depends on how you count them, but at least 16 of them. And I want to share those with you because you might be thinking today, well, I'm certainly not Peter. I didn't stand there three times and say, no, I don't know the man. I swear to heaven, I don't know Jesus. And we think, well, I'll never do that. But there's other ways we can also deny Jesus. So the text before us is telling us when you get out there, when you're amongst the wolves, you need to remember that your confession needs to be in me. And then when you stand before the Father in your judgment, guess what I'm going to do? If you've confessed me, when you get before the Father in judgment, I will confess that I have an allegiance with you.
that you're my child. If you don't confess that here, Jesus says, I'm, I'm not going to confess you before my father. Now, I think you've been around long enough, me, to know that I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. I believe once you genuinely trust Christ as your Savior, you have it forever. Even if you drift, even if you fall off, or what we used to say in the Baptist church, even if you backslide, uh, you're still going to go to heaven. You may not have much to show for it, but you're going to go to heaven, and God knows that you trust him as Savior. And that, that much is true. So uh, sometimes we've asked, and I want to ask it again, how can Jesus, you say you won't, you won't confess me if I've trusted you as my Savior? How can that be? Well, uh, the issue there is going to be, you can say, you can say that, uh, you can say uh, to me that I'm not going to confess you to the Father if, number one, I'm really not a believer. If I'm really not a believer. I've sent out three things on Facebook where I spent about 10 or 15 minutes sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And the first two times when I sent that out, um, I was very uh, non-judgmental non in anything. I didn't say anything judgmental. I just want people to know you can have Jesus as your Savior. Some of those went over 2,000 views. My last one was more about people who think they're Christians and they're not living the Christian life and they're not following Jesus. I had in mind this text. And I sent it out, 445 people. Not nearly as popular, is it? Because people feel like they're judged. They feel like it's, uh, it's against them. You know what? I am not your judge, and you're not my judge. Your judge is Jesus. My judge is Jesus. And we need to understand that uh, when a pastor sits down to put together a sermon uh, and reviews it two or three times before he gives it, He's already preached it to himself a number of times and already dealt with the guilt that he has over things that he didn't do right or hasn't done right. So don't think it's just about you. It's also about me. And I'm just one, one sinner sharing with other sinners uh, what the Lord tells us to do because that's my, that's my ministry. That's my job. But it doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I don't make, make mistakes. Or that's the easy way to say it. Don't make I sin. You know, I do sin. And I have to look at this and I have to say the same thing. And I'm asking you... If you would just be willing to look at your life and say uh, to God, either, you know, I've denied you and I haven't confessed you, or I am. And if you are, thank God. And that's, that's a good thing to do. Well, let's look at verse 32. We only have two verses here this morning. But don't worry, I can keep you here till 10 after, all right? All right. What we learn, if you're following your bulletin, it's there, you can fill this out. Jesus will confess before his Father all those who confess him before people. Now that's straightforward. It's very simple. Jesus is saying, if you will confess me before people, when we get before the Father in judgment, I will confess that I have a relationship with you. And that's what we want to understand this morning. Uh, I want to first look at Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, you're welcome to look those up. I, I like that, but if you don't want to, I'll be reading it. Uh, it says... For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with a mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Uh, there we confess our sins, we repent of our sins, we believe that Jesus is the one who died for us and saved us. But our confession is, I'm a sinner, I need the Savior, and Jesus, would you be my Savior and forgive me of my sin? That's the confession there. So what I want to do is talk a little bit about confession. What is confession? Confession of a truth, and if we know Jesus as our Savior, then that's the truth. Uh, to say you know Jesus and you really don't know Jesus, then that's a lie, and lies are of the enemy, of the devil. Uh, John 8, 44 says that he is the father of lies. 
But confession of a truth is important in our relationship with Jesus, and that's what this is saying. So learn with me that it's important for us to confess that we have a relationship with Jesus. The Greek text literally says, therefore, all who confess in me. Now, they leave out that, uh, they leave out that preposition in most translations. Maybe your, yours has it, probably doesn't, but because it doesn't read well in English, but I think there's a purpose for it. Uh, my text left the word in out, but I think there's a purpose. I think it would, it would have been nice to have it there. So what is its significance here in the text? The preposition in that was left out indicates a close association and intimate association signifying the state of a condition. Let me say that again. It indicates a close association and intimate association signifying the state of a condition. In other words, I could read it this way. Therefore, everyone who is in the condition of, of confessing me, everyone who is in that sphere of life, everybody that is in confessing me, I will be in confessing you. So the focus of our confession is directly pointed to Jesus as opposed to anyone else. It's not about someone else and our confession for them. It's about our confession with Jesus. So what is being said here? It says that whoever professes allegiance to Jesus in front of people will be affirmed as a believer before the Father when we get into heaven for our judgment. Now, the word for confession in the Greek is homologeo. And I don't expect you to remember that or, you know, you'd write it down if you wanted to, homologeo. But I do want to show you something in 1 John. Sometimes when I'm helping people and we run into a demonic spirit, we have to test uh, what is coming out of their mouth or through their thoughts, we have to confess. Is that really from God? Because up here in our heads, we can talk to ourselves. the enemy can talk to us, and, and God can talk to us in that, uh, what people like to call the still small voice. So it needs to be tested, because in 1 John chapter 4, he says in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. I think that's the number one problem with the charismatic movement. They're not testing anything. Uh, and if they do, it's not a good test. How do you test the spirits? How do you test them? How do you know whether it's Jesus or an enemy that's trying to move you away from God? Well, in verse 3, it says, every spirit that does not confess, that's our word. Our word is confess. So what that means is, we're going uh, to ask, do you have an allegiance to Jesus Christ, you who gave me that thought? And we're also going to add something else, and that is, do you love him? So we take a thought and we say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of his blood and before his white throne, I command the spirit who just told me whatever the, you think the spirit told you, it might be no or yes, you have to answer me in no other. Do you confess your love and allegiance? So we're saying this is what confession is, my love and allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, yes or no, and we wait for an answer. A demon can't say yes to that. The spirit of God will always say yes to that. So we know where we're at. So confession is, uh, has those uh, connotations as well, love and allegiance. In essence, Jesus is affirming before the Father that you and I have a close, intimate allegiance to him in a love relationship. That means you really belong to him, and that's important. Confess means to concede something as factual, to admit the truth of something. It's even used in a judicial connotation in, in the New Testament. It's when I make a confession of the truth, when I acknowledge something or claim something. Thus, we think of it as profession of allegiance, which means loyalty, commitment, 
fidelity, meaning truthfulness and faithfulness to God. Where does my, where does my faithfulness lie? Where is my loyalty? To whom am I committed, uh, even to the point of death? And it's supposed to be Jesus. It is something uh, like you asking if you know, if somebody says, do you know a person, a certain person they bring up, and you say, yes, as a matter of fact, we're close friends. So you don't just know their name, you're not just an acquaintance, you're close friends. You have, you have a tie to them, you maybe have commitment to them. And you might even say, I know them very well. And so it tells us where your relationship is. To put it another way, do you want Jesus to confess you before the Father in heaven when you're standing there in judgment? And that's, that's a question that I would resoundingly answer, yes, I want Jesus to confess me, absolutely. And I, I doubt there's anybody in this room that wouldn't say the same thing. Yeah, that's what I want. I want Jesus to say, I know Greg, I know him well, and he's one of my children, and put your name in there. I know, okay, and put your name in there. Yes, yes, I do, the Lord would say. Why? Uh, because I'm a part of his family and I confess him. And yes, I want that to happen. Why? Because without that, I will not be entering heaven on judgment day. If you stand before the judge and it's God, and Jesus says, I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you. And that's what Jesus said. Uh, there will be a day when some people will hear, I don't know you. Depart from me, you worker of, of iniquity. And those people are not going to a good place. So if I want Jesus to admit that we have a relationship with him on judgment day, we need to be admitting that we have it with him here today. And if he's going to stick up for you then, uh, in other words, have an allegiance to you and I at judgment, he expects us to stick up for him with people. And that's, that's the bottom line. Okay? That's where it gets a little bit difficult sometimes. Who are those who admit loving Jesus here on earth? Openly, honestly, to anybody that asks. They are those who, through faith in Jesus, have a genuine, intimate, open, honest relationship with him. Can a person in this life fool themselves into believing they are a Christian when, in fact, they aren't one? Yes. Yeah, there's, there's people that are so steeped in religion, and they're so steeped in the church. They know our songs. They know our hymns. They know, they know our prayers. They know what to do in church, and they don't know God. And that happens all the time. Can a true Christian lose genuine salvation? I'm going to say the Bible says absolutely not. Now, I want to look at John 10, 28 with you. John 10, 28. Jesus was telling some people, and I give eternal life to them, the people that believe in him, repent of their sins, and they will never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. And what we find out is he also puts you in the hand of, of the Father, and no one can take you out of the Father's hand. If no one can take you out of God's hand, and that includes you or me uh, or anybody else that would try to take you out of the Father's hand, the Bible says no one can do that. And I think your salvation is, uh, is firm there because no one can do that. Look at Romans 8 for a minute, uh, verse 37 and following. Paul has been asking ask and answering this question. I just want to focus, uh, just for our purposes, uh, here on verses 37 to 39. But in all these things, in other words, things that come against us as Christians, in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he uses these uh, figures of speech of merism, life, death, power, and, and just things that are opposite to include everything in the middle. Nothing can take away God's love for you if you have faith in him. And then we, we would learn in John 19.30 that Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. In other words, everything you need for salvation, it is finished. So all those people trying to work their way into heaven, trying to be good enough to get into heaven, thinking that they can earn their way into heaven, they don't, they don't understand that it's already finished. There's nothing you can add. You can't do that. You can have faith, but you can't work your way in. Thus, the true believer cannot lose his or her salvation. He affirms to all people that he or she has a relationship with Jesus. Now, here's the other side of the coin, so to speak. Verse 33. If we deny before men that we know Jesus, he will deny he knows us at judgment. A lot of people say they know Jesus. A lot of people say, yeah, I pray to him. I do this, I uh, you know, go to church or whatever it is that they say they do. And we remember when we were back in Matthew chapter 7 as we uh, uh, learned our way through that, Matthew seven twenty-two, the Lord says, uh, let me pick it up in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, in, implying an intimate, close relationship with God, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoops. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. See, those who know God do what God tells them to do. Many will say to me on that day, what day? Judgment day. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles, all things that if you see them on the outside, you say, hey, there's a genuine believer. And we would be wrong in some cases. He goes on to say, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And those people are off to a place where they really didn't want to go. On judgment day, all those who disclaimed Jesus will hear these terrible words that Jesus, by the way, recorded for us so we could see them in Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 to 46. So this is about judgment. And this is a section where we're into eschatological issues, end times issues. And it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed ones, into the eternal fires, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't even visit me. Then they themselves will also answer, Hey, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these um, he means his brothers and sisters, you did not do it to me. These, the ones he's talking about, will go away into eternal punishment, but the ones he talked about beforehand, they don't go into eternal punishment. These go into eternal life. And that's where we want to be. And to do that, we need to understand that we cannot deny Jesus. Uh, this, this is something that could keep you up at night, if you think about it. 
We balance this with other truth, like we know that we must go through Jesus to get to God in a relationship in John 14, 6, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You can't go around him, can't go over or under him. You've got to go through Jesus. And that those who believe in him will not be disappointed, Romans 10, 11. It says those who believe in me will not be disappointed. And so we keep that in mind. So let me talk about denial. To deny Jesus is to refuse to consent that you know him, love him, and serve him. It is disclaiming, uh, it, it, it is disclaiming association or like Peter did uh, to state something that is not true. That's, that's a claim that I don't know Jesus. Do you know this man? You were with him. You're, you're a Galilean. You were with Jesus. He says, I swear to you, I'm not one of his. And remember, after he did that three times, the rooster crowed, and Peter went out and repented of what he had done. Dr. Turner correctly stated, people deny Jesus, get this, people deny Jesus to avoid persecution from humans. And if you're paying attention to our video this morning, the guy kept saying, hey, we've got a bad rap. People don't look at us in the right way as, as lifeguards. We want to be their friends, so we just hang out and let them do their own thing. And in the meantime, people are dying. And if we want to just hang out and be buddies and not tell people the truth of the gospel, thinking they might not be my friend anymore, they might not listen to me anymore, and then we just act like we don't really know Jesus and it's not a big deal, and we don't bring him into conversations, we don't talk about him, that's denying Jesus. And so Dr. Turner is right. He also said, to put it bluntly, and I'm quoting here, to put it bluntly, if there were no hell to avoid, there would be one less reason to be faithful to Jesus and there would be one more reason to deny him. But hell is true. It is real. We all know that hell is real. And it is forever. I'm getting shorter on time. So Revelation 14, 10, and 11. They're in your bulletin there. Revelation 20, 10. The Bible speaks and tells us hell is a real place. It was designed for Satan and his angels. And it's also going to be the place for all those who deny Jesus. So... What does it look like to deny Jesus, right? None of us that I know of, okay, and if, if I'm wrong, tell me about it. I'd love to hear the story of the account. None of us, I think, have ever had a gun to our head and somebody said, you either trust uh, whatever, Allah, Muhammad as your prophet, whatever, and deny Jesus or I'm going to shoot you. Um, that's, that's go time. I mean, that's, that's something that we think of about being forced to deny Jesus. But I thought there's some things that we do to deny Jesus that nobody forces us to. It's just us. So I just want to share those with you. These are the ones I came up with. So my mind usually runs the scenario of a gun to my head, but uh, I think there's lots of other ways. So I just want to share this as something you can think about. I think about it. I'm in the same uh, boat you are. Remember that. But here's what I came up with. Things that uh, we deny Jesus in. Well, every time we disobey, we deny Jesus. Or do I forsake the gathering of the saints for worship? Because that's a command. Are things, I mean material things, more important to me than he is? Uh, we talk about temporal values, putting things above people in God. Is that me? Uh, that would be a sin. Am I living for myself every day instead of him? Who am I living for? That's a denial of Jesus if it's me. Am I a regular at drinking and getting drunk? All right, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. It says you can't get drunk. But if I'm a regular at uh, drinking to the point of drunkenness, I'm denying Jesus. 
Do I not read my Bible every day? We say we love him. How could you not want to get more of him every day? Do I pray every day? Do I love others more than I love Jesus? If I have a friend that doesn't know Jesus and they want to do things that Jesus wouldn't approve of, do I go with my friend instead of going with Jesus? Do I put them above Jesus? Uh, how could an outsider tell whether I love them more than I love Jesus? Something to think about. Can co-workers tell I am a Christian without having me have to tell them? Uh, if I have to tell them, chances are good I'm not living in such a way that they know I am. How about my reputation? Can I deny Jesus if I don't pay my bills? Can I deny Jesus if I don't keep my word? Am I honest? Am I fair? Am I giving? Am I loving? Another one is this. Am I truthful even if it hurts me? If I give my word and I find out something else came up and I wish I didn't give my word so I just bow out of it, is that what Jesus wants me to do? Or does Jesus say in the Bible, which he does, you keep your word even if it costs you? Am I willing to do that? Uh, am I faithful that way? Uh, am I above board and faithful? Next, do I serve God because I love him or because I think I have to? That's a denial of the love of Jesus if it's because I have to. Do I go to questionable places where ungodliness dwells and then join in? That's a denial of Jesus. Do I cheat on my spouse emotionally or physically? That's a denial. Do I cuss like a Midwesterner? And I didn't say like a sailor because I only know one sailor and he goes to our church and he doesn't cuss. So I've heard Midwesterners cuss though. Do I cuss like a Midwesterner? Or do I refuse to, for, to forgive people who have hurt me and say I'll never forgive you? Jesus said I'll always forgive you. Can, can his child say I'll never forgive you? And do I refuse to forgive people who have hurt me? No matter whether the hurt is emotional, physical, or spiritual. And then finally, do I gossip, slander, badmouth, and like dragging people's character through the mud? I think all those things are an everyday way we can deny Jesus. And I've done some of them. Maybe there's some you've done too. Everything about our life needs to be a confession of Christ and a confession of our relationship. And I don't always succeed at it, but I'm trying. Are you trying? You'd have to tell me. What would it take for you and me to deny we know Jesus? I hope what I've shown is you can do some things that you don't even think about. That's a denial. I say uh, not much if we think about it in terms as compared to a gun to our heads. I am not the Holy Spirit. You know that. I'm not the one who convicts of sin. You know that. I'm a messenger for you, and I'm a messenger for me. And I always preach these things to myself before I preach them to you. I have to ask myself the same question you ask yourself. That is, Greg, how are you doing in this area of confessing Jesus? Now, you don't say, Greg, how are you doing? You might, but put your name in the blank, right? How am I doing in showing my confession of Jesus, of living out my allegiance to him? Is there any question in anybody's mind where your allegiance lies that's the issue. Well, we'll wrap this up here. Because God forgives our sin does not mean that we should feel free to deny him whenever it's convenient and more comfortable to do, to do so, does it? 
And let's just admit the world is making it more and more uncomfortable to claim Jesus. And the price is going to be high, uh, I think, in the near future. Let's both invite the Spirit of God to speak to us about how we're doing in the area of confessing him or denying him. Yes, Peter denied knowing Christ three times. He also went out in tears and repented and wept in his repentance. I think that's where he got right with God. We could do the same thing. If we haven't been uh, confessing him, we can repent. And then he wept bitterly in repentance. Then the end of his life, he requested to be crucified upside down on a cross because he himself said, I'm not worthy to die in the manner that my Lord died in. What do we call that? (laughs) If I was to be crucified, I'd probably say, well, that's enough, let alone doing it upside down. Uh, But Peter didn't do that. I don't know that I'd want to make mine worse than it is, but Peter did. And if you want to use Peter as an example of someone that denies, then tell the whole story, not just the denial. The positive side of all this is simply in verse 32. Everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. That's where you and I are. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to stay. A couple of applications here, and with the first one, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 7. And the first one is this. What I believe God is calling us to do is to decide to be strong and courageous for Christ and that Jesus will help you. Be strong and courageous for Christ. We live in a world where people are going to be after you if that's what you are. Are you ready to pay the price of denying the world and being in allegiance with Jesus. Am I ready? Here's a guy that was. His name was Stephen. It says in chapter 7 of Acts, verse 54, now when they heard this, because he's blaming them for the death of the Messiah, and they, they figured that out. When they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. They are upset. They're infuriated. Infuriated, how do you say that? Uh, they're mad, really mad, all right? But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I doubt every Christian gets to see that before they die because not every Christian is being put to death with stones, but Stephen got to. And as he's dying, his focus is on heaven, and there he sees Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing? He's standing. Well, he's got a throne right behind him. He's usually sitting. I think that tells us, don't you, how much he cares? Would you think about this person giving up his life for him? Stephen? Well, he said he cares for us too. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears, and they rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. That means throwing rocks at somebody till they die. Not, not little rocks, big rocks. And the witness laid aside their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were killing Stephen, uh, verse 60, he said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. I think that's dying with the power of Christ. He'll do that for us when we stand for him. Secondly, being loyal to Jesus means 
he will also be loyal to us, to you, to me. That's what we want. And finally, acknowledge your relationship to Jesus before men and women, boys and girls, kings and princes, and everybody else every single day. I think that's the message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are people that have had the privilege of living in the freest country on planet Earth that I think ever was. We have had the right to share what we believe, the right to uh, propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have had the right to meet freely in a place without fear of persecution. And we see very rapidly that the enemy is moving against us so that these days will end. And so the time may come for us very quickly where we have to figure out where we're at on this whole thing of confessing our allegiance to you. And we want to pray that we would not be cowards, that we would not be weaklings, but that we would be strong and courageous in the Lord like Stephen and stand our ground for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we know that doing that shows a true relationship to you and that you will stand your ground for us. I want to thank you for that. I'm sure my brothers and sisters here are thanking you too. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. bow your head and pray with me please heavenly father it is my prayer today that everyone here has made that decision to place their trust and their faith in jesus lord i pray that you would help us as we go out this week um, to show our allegiance to him Um, and now may we grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity amen